Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's time. Time for your weekly appointment with the only man who could host a four-hour Saturday tour de force of sports talk on CBS Sports Radio. Why? Why did we select this man to undertake this Herculean task? Because, well, his name is on the marquee. Here he is, Robin Lundberg. And we're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need an expert to help navigate the home loan process, Rocket can. You know, um, yesterday, I didn't have my phone for a minute. You have that uh, reaction that I do sometimes where you're checking your pocket to, to feel for your phone, even though you know it's there. Or you have this like moment of anxiety that your phone might not be there. I mean, it's not healthy. I've even had my kids, you know, and, and this is one of those things uh, that that b- bugs me uh, a little bit and makes me think, uh-oh, you know, I, I should be uh, um, be uh, paying attention more and, and more cognizant of this. But where my kids would say, you know, you're on your phone. Why are you on your phone when I'm at the playground or something like that? And I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe I should, shouldn't should be on my phone right now because that, you know, I, I should be living in the moment. I say that because yesterday I set my phone down for, I don't know, I, I, to go outside and play with them and their friends in, in the neighborhood. And we probably were out for three hours, something like that. And... Didn't have my phone. And it was bliss. It was bliss. I was living in reality. I was living in in real life. Not in a screen. And I came back eventually and had to find it. I I couldn't even find it. And finally found it. Whatever. Point being, so many of us, especially during this pandemic, so many of us, have been living on a screen all day. All day. Like, whether it's a Zoom call or Twitter or Instagram or whatever you're on, email, all day. It's your phone or it's your computer screen, and it never stops throughout the entire day. And I think that has led to a certain um, mind state at times. Because one thing I, I follow every day is is that it, it seems like every day there's another outrage. And look, there are, there are genuine things to be outraged about. But a, a micro-outrage almost is what I would call it. Like every day on, online, on social media, there's an outrage about something that probably doesn't need 
or require outrage. <laughs> you know, like people get worked up into a frenzy about something that uh, is just not that big a deal. And I do believe it's in part due to that, you know, mentality, the the mental damage, the psychological damage that we've all suffered from our current state of affairs and what happens when, you know, you're you're caught up in a screen all the time, all the time. And there is a different, you know, Twitter's not real life. I love Twitter. I've been on Twitter for more than a decade now. Definitely my favorite app, you know. But when you're off it, you realize, oh, yeah, that, you know, that's the person I'm talking to outside. It's not talking about this stupid thing that people are upset about <laughs> online. And and I think that was part of the reaction to Tim Tebow as well, you know, and, and why. Because every day there's there's something. What's What's the thing today? It's almost like it's habitual, almost like second nature or whatever. What's the thing we're going to be worked up about and, and mad about today? And when the Tebow thing happened, it, maybe that was it. Because are people still feeling that way about Tebow today? Like after that day, after that, that first news cycle day of it, I forget what day of the week that was. Um, but when that news came out and, and it looked like it was happening and I, I don't think it actually is, has ever officially even happened. And people were so worked up about it. Have you heard anybody talking about it really much since other than like, you know, in the context of what we're doing right now? I don't know. Because they moved on to something else the next day that there is an outrage about that doesn't require outrage. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. And that is my TED Talk. What do you think of the possibility of Tebow getting a shot at tight end? We also talked about the NFL schedule. Release. I mean, there seemed to be a, a euphoria about the NFL schedule release, I think, in large part because, you know, it is a sort of a sense of return to normalcy to have an NFL schedule put out there and to not worry about whether it's going to be played, to not worry about what the ramifications are, are going to be or the protocols are going to be and everything. It just feels like it's going to be a normal NFL schedule. It's going to be a normal fall. Normal life is looming. You know, you can go on trips again now. You could see your friends again now. Stuff like that, you know, with, with the vaccine and, and, and the headway we've made. And and it just feels like, oh, you know, it's going to be a football season without any asterisks, without any caveats, without any other stuff going on around it. Um, one game in particular drew a lot of attention, though. That was the, the Patriots and uh, the Buccaneers. Belichick versus Brady, which I, I thought – was a, a little silly just how worked up people are about that game already, given that it's not going to be played for five months. It's the most talked about NFL game in the history of May. No question about it. No question about it. I mean, you're, you're going to have how, how many, uh, you know, that replaced Aaron Rodgers for, for a couple of days. Of course, the Aaron Rodgers story is is not going to go away this entire time between now and when the NFL season kicks off that will be I'm sure the the most talk you can't talk about Brady and Belichick on October 3rd every day from now until then for however many days are, are left until then 140 some days until that actually goes down the Rogers story is is the story of the offseason however that is is ultimately resolved Matt LaFleur said they want Rogers back in the, the worst way 
just recently. I think he might have said that yesterday, in fact. I, I wonder if, if that situation actually winds up getting worked out. I mean, really, that just comes down to how Rodgers ultimately feels. You know, what Rodgers is, um, how dug in he is in his position. You know, does he want to set the whole thing on fire? Well, if he if he wants to set the whole thing on fire, he can, right? I mean, he, he can make it he can make it ugly. He can make it so you know it, it, it. They they the rubber meets the road, I guess, if you will. But I I don't know if if that will actually be the case if it'll get that far by that point in time or or by the 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 time the season actually rolls around. I mean the the Packers they have the Saints I think on the opening weekend. Which there's a lot of questions about quarterback just going into that game on paper. We still don't know exactly who's going to be playing quarterback for the Saints, and obviously we don't know if, if Aaron Rodgers will in fact be playing quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. Eight five five two one two four two two seven. If you want to weigh in on that situation, the NFL schedule release, or what I was saying about Tim Tebow and the outrage that ensued, given that he, he's getting a look at the tight end position, or possibly okay, that still hasn't even happened. Maybe people are just over it now. Like I said, maybe that outrage window has passed. And then the NFL schedule window uh, may have passed as well a little bit because uh, (laughs) it's out now. I mean, now maybe it's setting in that, oh, yeah, these games aren't until September. The NFL just has such um, an interesting calendar because it's it's every week like almost like a – religion you know in a sense for the the fan base for for the fall through when when the Super Bowl is played and then you got that that window of free agency you've got the draft you've got the schedule release and it, it's pretty quiet until teams are, are actually in camp and and you know that the the season is right around the corner but that idea of I, I suppose something that's as massively popular as the NFL being there and then not being there, the the parts of it that that people get, they want to feast on. So they want to feast on the NFL draft. They want to feast on, you know, the schedule release and everything because they're starving. They haven't had it for as as long as it's been gone away. 855-212-4227. It is the Robin Lundberg Show here on CBS Sports Radio. Um, football on the, the top of the bottom. We're going to get to some basketball uh, coming up in, in just a, a few minutes. Big-time Hall of Fame class. Uh, I want to ask you something specific uh, about one uh, of the, the players, one of the legends, that is, that will be enshrined into the Basketball Hall of Fame this weekend. Is the, I believe the, the Preakness is today as well, right? Does that horse get to race? Anthony, do you know if the the – you know the the junkie horse um, is that what it was called the Medina yeah yeah uh, yeah he can race he gets to race so you know whenever um an athlete takes a, a banned substance uh that it, you're not supposed to take they they'll they'll say I, I didn't know what was in it in the horse's case I believe I believe him I believe Med- Medina Spirit didn't know what he was taking the Bob Baffert uh I, I'm not sure uh it flies with him you know he said it this is not an isolated instance. His horses keep testing positive for something. Uh, horse racing just 
in and of itself is is an ugly business and endeavor. It really is. I, I I've done some interviews uh, of late, uh, you know, about some of the behind the scenes happenings that have happened over the years in horse racing, and you wouldn't believe just how seedy, I guess, the underbelly of horse racing is. Personally, I don't know why it really still goes on. Uh, I you know I I kind of think it's it's cruel in in some ways right like I mean so many horses are put to pasture um obviously you know this is not a natural thing for the horse to do I everybody say like they love to race or they love to run you wouldn't be whipping the horse on the side if it really wanted to go that fast you wouldn't be um filling it up with with various drugs and performance enhancing substances if it was on the up and up if it was just a natural like Budweiser commercial of a horse running in an open field and you know the the the, the kind of culture around it it's just a an excuse for people to dress up silly and they think that that's enough to to clear it to to be just uh, all hunky dory across the uh across the uh spectrum but <laughs> this whole story in and of itself aside from what you think about the uh institution itself is is hilarious because he's got you got this guy Baffert blaming cancel culture on his horse having a a test come back the the wrong way and now it gets to race again so really no harm no foul there you go like most other sports you would think the cheater would have some sort of suspension not be involved in the in the next activity there would be something but in this case Medina Spear just gets to run in the Preakness there you go. I, I wonder how you know regimented the the, the testing uh, for Medina Spirit this time around is. Though I you know this is a I am wading into territories that I'm I'm not exactly uh, intimately familiar with. I wouldn't com- uh, com- call myself a horse racing expert in and of itself uh, because I'm not and I've never never been a fan. Like I said, it's always sort of rubbed me the wrong way. Even at the um, uh, Triple Crown, I was at one of the, the Triple Crown races. What was the last horse to, to win the, the Triple Crown? Um, it wasn't Justify. It was, I think it was the one before that. I, I was at the, the Belmont doing a show that day, and I knew that it was American Pharaoh had a chance to win the Triple Crown, but I went home because <laughs> I didn't care whether this horse won the Triple Crown. So I'm definitely not the right person to be uh, opining about, you know, the the uh, outcome here and whether Medina spirit, you know, is sullied or or the, the spirit of the Preakness uh, is sullied or the, the possible triple crowns or, or whatever, all the, the stakes that go into it. Uh, it just clearly once again reveals that horse racing is a, a dirty business, right? Like you ever see – that's when you associate – like close your, your eyes and, and picture the characters – that you would associate with horse racing, and it's not the the generally the uh, the the picture of of pleasant, <laughs> you know, a uh, little bit of a seedy industry that is for sure. Eight five five two one two four two two seven. Eight five five two one two four two two seven. It's probably the most it's been talked about. I mean, Medina Spirit talked about for for the last you know several weeks. Or whatnot, and Bob Baffert on you know news shows and everything. I think he's had like five horses 
get get hit with a a positive test in in a, a short window uh, of time. I also mentioned the Hall of Fame. We know the late great Kobe Bryant will be enshrined by Michael Jordan. That will be a huge story, of course, and and it's always a uh, uh, you know and a bit of a emotional um, one whenever Kobe is involved. But there are other greats getting into the Hall of Fame this weekend or being officially enshrined into the Hall of Fame this weekend. One in particular I want to talk about who generally just doesn't get talked about too much. That's coming up as well. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. At Robin Lundberg on Twitter. It is the Robin Lundberg Show, and it's here with you on CBS Sports Radio. It's the Robin Lundberg Show. Call Robin at 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4227. We're going to get to a particular member of the Basketball Hall of Fame, new member of the Basketball Hall of Fame in a minute. But first, I want to get to you. 855-212-4227. Let's go to William in Nevada. William, you're up on the Robin Lundberg Show. What's going on? Robin, Robin, good morning. Hey, just wanted to talk about an opening uh, day game that intrigued me, and I'm wondering how they got it all set up, how they roll the dice to get all these games set up. But we got Darnold coming in to uh, South Carolina to play the play on the Panthers, and now all of a sudden the Jets are headed there on opening day. Like, oh, come on. We couldn't have had a better choice of uh, where to send the Jets. We had to go play against Darnold. Well, look, I mean, storylines help sell games, right? I mean, one, the part of the, you know, look, the schedule we know, you, you have your division opponents and then which division you're playing outside of your division, right? So it's not surprising that these games are made. But when they're, they're timed out, a, a lot of that actually probably has to do with travel and, and you know, there's a logistic um, part of it. But then, you know, it's not like they scheduled Cowboys and Buccaneers on accident, right, to open the season, just like sure. probably Panthers and, and, and Jets. I don't know if that's um, a marquee game for the national audience as much, but certainly there there is that storyline there, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a decent storyline because we still don't know how the, the poor Darnold guy is supposed to even come out in the NFL and be anybody because I never thought he was. You know, he's a, another U, USC guy that just comes through and gets to be handed the ball and say, oh, well, hand the ball off, throw it to your couple of USC receivers, and uh, you're going to be good for the NFL. And I've never seen anything good that's Donald done as far as uh, performance-wise. And you take a look at his stats, and they're awful. I, you know, I, I have seen Sam Darnold play some, and thanks for the call. I'm not a big believer in Sam Darnold. Look, circumstances, situations – can change things. I'm going to get into that in regards to what I was going to talk about with basketball coming up in a, in a second. So I, I wouldn't just dismiss the possibility that he bounces back a little bit. But yes, I I I, I not like confident. I don't believe this is like some sort of uh, you know uh, a beast that's been asleep who is about to be awakened. Uh, it, you know, Sam Darnold did not show much with the, the New York Jets. Well, let me just say this, Robin, as a Jets fan, all, all you yeah. Carolina Panther fans out there, uh, you should relish, look forward to this opening game because uh, without a doubt, Sam Darnold will have the best game of his NFL career. He'll throw for like 500 yards, five touchdown passes. 
mark that down, okay? So if you're a Panthers fan, don't worry about facing the Jets in the opener. That that means that he's going to have the best game of his career. No matter what he does the rest of the season, right? Yeah, then he'll turn back into a uh, pumpkin right on the field after the game is over. Yeah, as long as he, he, he lights up the Jets. Let's go to David in Green Bay. David, you're up next here on CBS Sports Radio. What's up? Hey, Robin. Good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you? Morning. How are uh, you? Real good. Uh, just uh, I'm, I'm to preface this, I'm hoping you might just uh, give me a little attitude here, maybe 90 seconds, two minutes. I want to try to turn the table. I want to bring the Rodgers thing up. I'm driving right now, as I, I honestly tell you, past Lambeau Field here in Green Bay. And obviously it's one of the biggest uh, questions um, in social media topics, everything. Aaron Rodgers, okay? Here's the deal. You're in the know. I love your articles. I love your insight. I want to actually ask you a couple of questions. Let me set just the premise. We've got Aaron Rodgers come out of 17-18, down, down seasons, injury. Front office makes a decision to make a move. We don't go into it. They make a move. Okay. Who knew that he was going to come back with a brand-new head coach over the last two years, adopt and more or less reclaim his position as the top playing quarterback in the league, culminating last year with an MVP season and, unfortunately, again, losing in an NFC championship game. He's now, and the Green Bay Packer organization is playing the ultimate card game, okay? Who's going to blink first, right? Okay. Here's the deal, and if I see it, and if I ask you, a guy in the know, the, the Green Bay Packers, they made a move, right or wrong, not going to debate it. Aaron Rodgers earned and does deserve uh, the respect that he is, he's gained over 16 years. If you're Aaron Rodgers, Robin, if you're Aaron Rodgers, Robin, and you're trying to play this card, and you're going to say, I don't want to come back, and you, you want to go somewhere else, where is he going to go, in your estimation, if I ask you, where is he going to go that's going to give him a better chance to, to be back in a position to win a Super Bowl next year? Where, where, where would you think he'd go? Look, the, the team that's been linked to him the most is Denver, right? And I don't know if that's a better yeah. chance or, or not. It being like John Elway following the same uh, blueprint he sort of did with, with Peyton Manning. I believe, and I've said it here, that the Packers have put a really good team around Aaron Rodgers. He's got a, a top five running game. This. Denver, Denver makes the move, and I, I'd go with you right there. I definitely agree. They're going to give up draft capital. They've got a decent defense and okay offense. Rodgers is going to come in and have to learn a brand new offense with new people. They're not going to have any draft capital to gain anything stronger than what he would walk into with Green Bay this season. Uh, do you think that, that Rodgers – with maybe, what, two, three really good years left, uh, hypothetically for conversation, wants to lose a season? Oh, or do you think it really comes down to maybe, and I hate this because I'm a Packer homer, big time. Is, is it petulance? Is it uh, he wanted his pound of flesh because he was embarrassed by the draft choice and not told, and now he wants to play the card? Gutenquist is doing a great job drafting people. Um, uh, look, I think look the Packers, like I said, top flight running game, offensive line, wide receiver, uh, you know, one of the best, if not the best in the, the sport. Their defense intercepted Tom Brady three times in the NFC Championship game. In Rodgers' defense, Brady did go to Tampa. There were probably a lot of people saying he was better off staying in New England, right? He goes to Tampa, he wins. That was, though, free agency, not a trade. I, I don't know these guys personally, so I can't say for sure what it is. But, yes, it, it certainly feels like 
This is, has more to do with uh, uh, personal feelings than it does personnel on the football field. And, and in thanks. the long run, historically speaking, Robin, does he crush his legacy as a 16-year player? He, he came into the same, the same environment under Favre. I mean, I'm, I'm here. I was at the practices in 08 when Favre didn't know if he was going to, did, want to retire. There were people trying to fist fight him, trying to replace a Brett Favre. He's been through this. He's playing the card now. I guess I'll, I'll, I'll close with this, and thank you so much for the latitude. The bottom line to all this comes down to it's a card game. Who's going to blink first? I honestly believe Aaron Rodgers will be back. But if he plays the card, and the Packers are not going to trade him, not going to trade him, force him to sit. Do you honestly believe at that point that Aaron Rodgers is going to give up to at least a year, maybe two years, without the opportunity to play? I hope not, because we're ready, we're prepared. Honestly, believe this year, Aaron, bring a championship home. Clear the air. It's all going to be good. Robin, well, we'll thank see. you so we'll much see. for the latitude today. You got it. We'll, we'll see how it develops. I, I wouldn't say for sure we, we know how it's going to turn out. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him traded personally. I wouldn't be shocked to see him back. How about Billy in Toronto? Billy, you're up next here on CBS Sports Radio. What's up, Billy? Yeah, Robin, I've been beating the bushes about this. Let let Rogers go, for God's sake. Who cares? Uh, anyway, listen. Two points I want to bring up uh, quickly. And number one, uh, sorry, we lose you at seven o'clock here, so this topic might have been beaten already. But Tim Tebow, my God, I mean, is there anybody in the world that has anything bad to say about Tim Tebow? If you want, if this last guy wanted to talk about latitude, how about Tim Tebow? Here's a guy that's done everything right in life. Everybody loves this guy. This guy rides the bushes for five years to try and play professional baseball. So what? Give him another chance. He's taking somebody's job away. We'll find out right away if Tim Tebow can play. And if he can't, well, then we'll get someone else in there. I mean, I, you know, we, we talk about um, the Chicago White Sox uh, righting the wrong by bringing Tony La Russa back. I mean, does anybody deserve a chance more than Tim Tebow? And I, I mean, I know he's had other chances. There's a lot worse quarterbacks in this league that have stuck around a lot longer than Tim Tebow did, and I just think uh, Tebow got a wrong deal, and I'm really rooting for the guy. I hope, I hope he makes it as a tight end or can go in and play quarterback the odd shift. But, Robin, the, the main topic I want to get to, and it's, I'll make this quick. Seriously, uh, maybe I've watched too many baseball games in my, in my life. That's my sport. I watch them all day long. And, and what has gone on with this game? I mean, I understand the home run is the big thing. But what is it now with these guys? And it happened in the Jays game last night uh, with Stephen Matz pitching. These guys taking called third strikes right down the middle. And it's not happening once or twice. We have a player here, uh, Craig Biggio. I mean, I don't know how many times this guy walks back to the dugout with a bat on his shoulders. I don't mind a guy striking out. I don't mind a guy. You know, that happens in this game a lot. But are we, has it got to the point now with two strikes you're looking for a pitch? I mean, what, what happened to the old, if it's anywhere close, you better be swinging, especially with how bad I think the umpiring has been. I mean, these guys got to take the damn bat off their shoulders and, and start trying to put the ball in play with two strikes. And, you know, the, the, the Stephen Matz struck out the side in one inning with three fastballs that would be considered terrible pitches, hitters' pitches, and these guys were watching it go by and then, you know, kind of uh, giving the heads up to Matz, hey, great pitch. 
It's a damn fastball right down the middle. Swing the damn bat. You can't do nothing by walking back to the dugout. That's all I got, Robin. Thanks. Yeah, look, uh, did you say Craig Biggio? Uh, I don't think that's who you were talking about, <laughs> the, uh, of uh, Astros <laughs> fame. But um, baseball has, over the years, the approach at the plate changed, right? Um, analytics and, and what was uh, proven to be uh, effective and, and the walk became very valued. Obviously, the home run became very valued. And it, it sort of has changed the, the approach a little bit, not to mention – just how hard guys are throwing, which which makes it difficult too. So a lot of factors go into it. But I believe, it, as of not too long ago, it was the lowest batting average in MLB history across the sport this season, um, which is kind of surprising, I, I guess. Anytime you see a number like that, and and that would uh, you know, play into it. That would play into it. I don't know if that's still the case, but I, I did see that that um, was the, the case for uh, a while. Uh, it was the lowest batting average in, in the history of the sport, across the, the, the sport. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. Is Tim Duncan... Uh, oh, he was talking about uh, Craig Biggio's son on, on the, the Blue Jays. Uh, but, so I, but I hear Biggio, and and I think uh, obviously Craig Biggio. Uh, ca- ca- uh, I think it's Cavin Biggio, Cavin Cavin Biggio. I don't know how to pronounce it. Cavin uh, Cavin Biggio. But uh, that's who he was talking about on the Blue Jays. Stay in touch with Robin via Twitter. His handle is at Robin Lundberg. It is the Robin Lundberg Show here on CBS Sports Radio. And Paul in Maryland, you're on the show. What's going on, Paul? Yeah, I got a couple of comments. I, I was really calling because American Sparrow was the last horse to win the Triple Crown in 2015. Uh, but listen to some of your other callers. I got a couple other comments. Um, but let me start out. I played ball with a kid whose parents owned uh, a Kentucky Derby work winner. Didn't Justify win in 2018? That could be, but Wikipedia told me it was American Pharaoh in 2015. So hmm. sorry about that one. Um, or, or Siri. But uh, anyhow, uh, this, this kid's family, I'll tell you what, those Kentucky Derby winners, those horses have a real real nice life before and after but i'm sure that's the exception and i agree with you from what you're saying but i i have a little bit more knowledge of a greyhound racing and what they do to those dogs is just horrible i don't know if it's been completely banned in the u.s but it's been heading that way for a long time um uh, well, I mean, look, it's Santa's little helper in The Simpsons, right? I mean, the, the dog, that's sort of the story there. And in, in both cases, in, in all these cases, when you're talking about animals, you're talking about them doing something that is not of their free will, right? Like, I mean, that just is what it is. You can't get around exactly. that fact. I think it, your arguments not, are right on. Yeah. 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 Now, Tebow, A, not everybody loves Tebow. But the, the subject that really ticks me off, as it did your previous caller, is baseball. I went to the Orioles-Yankees last night, and, Jesus, you got these guys. that They're, they're a 250 hitter, 
They have half the field they can bunt on, and they can't bunt. I saw a game not too long ago where they brought this guy in to bunt, pinch hit. Everybody in the stadium and on TV knew he was in there to bunt. And three pitches he fouled, all because he squared around way too late. I mean, give me a break. Give me a break. No wonder everybody and their brother wants to hit a home run, and nobody can even bunt the ball anymore. And uh, I could go on and on about analytics and how I think it's screwing up the game, but uh, that's pretty much the end of my story for now. Well, look, I appreciate the call. And there has been, you know, again, the game has evolved um, to some degree, and there was a point in time where, you know, certain aspects of it were undervalued, and, and teams looked to to um, emphasize those undervalued assets, and that led to, you know, this surge in the idea of like it wasn't that on base percentage was the holy grail per se. It was that Moneyball, you know, Moneyball was looking for those undervalued assets or commodities or players, things that you could get in a fo- cheaply um, that weren't, you know, didn't have as much value attached to them. And that happened to be at that case at the time. What what it really was is is players who were able to get themselves on base, whether or not they were, you know, hitting it, uh, you know, with the bat, just getting on base. And over the years, the game has gone a a way where it's been a lot more feast or famine, a home run or a strikeout. You know, that those are the, the two outcomes because People are looking for the home run because obviously the home run is the the most valuable possible outcome of any at bat. And that changed the approach of hitters. And there were so many home runs being hit as well, right? And and remember all the talk about the the ball being juiced? The ball is juiced. The ball is juiced. The ball is juiced. And balls are flying out of ballparks all over the place. Well, I don't know if if baseball, you know, wanted to temper that back and, and unjuice the ball if you will, but let's say the, the ball is no longer juiced, right? The approach to the plate hasn't changed. And therefore, you're, you're now seeing what is the lowest batting average across Major League Baseball in history so far this season. Because if, if the home runs are becoming flyouts sometimes rather than home runs, that is going to change the, the dynamics of things. Eventually, there'll be a course correction. There always is, you know, and you'll you'll figure out um, how that works. But with with shifts, with that feast or famine approach at the plate, a lot of that has uh, evolved into what you're seeing now. And 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 you know, it, it's interesting because I saw the baseball numbers were up this year, but I have heard a lot of of that from baseball fans that they're they're a little sick of of the way that the the game is being played or the approach that players are taking at the plate. 855-212-4227 at Robin Lundberg on Twitter. How about Todd in Tampa Bay? Todd, you're up next on the show. Ryan, let's get down to business here. Before I get to my Buccaneers, I just want to say to my Rays, last night coming through last night, 
against the Mets, which I grew up as a Mets fan, but I moved to here to Tampa before the Rays were in existence in 73. So I just want to say way to come through. Let me tell Stu Sternberg's the owner something, okay? If you don't have Austin Meadows in the lineup, you're an idiot, okay? You're in charge of this team, and Austin Meadows is our best hitter, okay, period. Thank God for some late miracle last night by Mike Sedino coming through and getting that victory. But if you don't have Austin Meadows in there, you should fire the manager and fire yourself, numbnuts. All right, that's, that, that's number one. Let me get to my Buccaneers because the schedule came out. We open up with the Cowboys over here when we open up, and then we have uh, the Belichick in the fourth game. Let me, and let me, say, let me say something here because we were 7-5. and five. Okay, we were seven and five after that debacle on Thursday night when we got lost to the Bears and all that. And then we had a come to Jesus meeting when when we said, "Listen, Tom Brady's won seven, six, and now seven Super Bowls." Okay, your 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 play selection, your call for an offensive play is an idea, but we're going with the seven-time Super Bowl champion, and he's calling his own game, and that's the difference, and that's what got him here, and that's when we won seven in a row. I knew we were going to beat the. I knew we we were. <laughs> I knew we were going to beat the Saints. I knew we were going to beat the Packers. You know, your 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 guy who called in and said that the Jets open up. Um, with with Sam Darnold, and he said, "Don't worry, Donald will throw for 500. That that was 500 yards and five touchdowns. That was the Buccaneer way, okay? Where 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 Heineke from Washington came in and 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 uh, and, and almost did it. But we exercised all of our demons. We went into Washington, we beat them. We went into the Saints, who beat us 31 to nothing, and we beat them because I made Todd Bowles unleash his defense." And then we won, we were up 28 to 10 to that Packer guy who's worried about Aaron Rodgers. We were up 28 to 10. We should have blown them out. We let them back in the game, but we still got it done. And 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 the real reason that Rodgers is mad is because Lafleur didn't go for it on fourth down. Lafleur is mad because he should he said that Rodgers should have gained more yards on that fourth and eight and to go for it. So they have in-house fighting over there, and that's really what stems this all over here. You can blame it on Jordan Love. But, you know, they have their own in-house fighting. And then the Kansas City, I, the Kansas City was like, when our defense shows up, you're lucky to get three field goals against but, us. Like, got nine uh, obviously, you're pretty fired up about the Buccaneers. You're <laughs> cutting a promo or something. Uh, thanks for the call, man. Uh, the, I agree that Aaron Rodgers, you know, had plenty of opportunities in that game. And I don't think Matt LaFleur's decision to go for it on, or not go for it on fourth down was egregious. I think that was a toss-up play. Uh, at the time, because they needed it. I think they were eight down, right? They were fourth and eight or fourth and nine and eight down. So not only do you have to convert the fourth down, then you have to get the two-point conversion. The odds of, of both converting a fourth down and getting the two-point conversion are not that high. At the same time, like if you punt, I mean, if you kick the field goal, then you're down five. So you get one three and out and you get the ball back and you have a chance to win the game there. So I understood that logic. They didn't get the three and out. And, of course, you could say it's stupid to even give Tom Brady a chance where he only has to convert one first down and he wins the game. It came down to a holding penalty, I believe, that that led to the Buccaneers' first down. But Rodgers was bad in that game uh, down near the goal line. And on that third down, he had a chance to run the ball. I don't know if he would have scored necessarily, but he either would have scored or he would have gotten really close to the goal line and would have taken the decision out of LaFleur's hands. But... That, you know, was clearly the, I think, the opportunity Aaron Rodgers seized in, in order to um, 
announce his frustration with the the Packers. I mean, that's where that started, right? Right after that NFC Championship loss when he came out there and said he didn't even know what his future was going to be. That was the the hint that we were getting to where we, we are now. John in New Mexico. John, you're up next here on the Robin Lundberg Show. What's going on? I'm doing good. How are you doing? <clears throat> I'm doing well. How are you? All right, uh, real quick with uh, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Now, to, is it me, or does it seem like Aaron Rodgers does not have the, I guess, the Michael Jordan killer instinct? Because he seems like um, if he had that, I think Aaron Rodgers would be a much better quarterback. He got to the one Super Bowl ring, but I just would think if he had a little bit more fire in his belly like Tom Brady, I think he would have maybe three or four. And I think that hurts him a lot. But um, I think... Aaron Rodgers, um, I don't know if the Raiders have enough um, cap space, but um, the Raiders would be a good option for him to go to, and maybe the Patriots. And real quick with the Tim Duncan, Tim Duncan's top five power forward, maybe Kevin McHale, Charles Barkley, Kevin Garnett. I'm going to get to Tim Duncan at the the top of the hour uh, because it's all of a sudden it's like been his moment in the, the, the sun with this Basketball Hall of Fame class. Uh, as far as the killer instinct thing, that's just th- something people say. I don't know. You know, Aaron Rodgers is an all-time great quarterback. He's 1-4 in, in NFC Championship games. I-, I feel like he gets treated with kid gloves sometimes in the sense that when-, when we're talking about all-time greats, you expect them to come through. And in that game, he had chances. The ball was in his hands. He had chances to win that game, and, and he didn't come through. Uh, is it because of a lack of killer instinct? I don't want to say that. Uh, I have, you know, he's clearly a competitive guy. You know, and he's also, you know, when we're talking about the level of not being Tom Brady is not a failure. It's like when people criticize Steph Curry for not being LeBron James, you know, like an impact that that doesn't make you a failure. If you're not the greatest of all time, you're just like, you know, top 10, top five, whatever it may be. That's not, not necessarily the worst thing in the world. Sometimes we have to get a hold of ourselves and apply a little context. But I want to apply a little context to the career of Tim Duncan, who may be discussed more today than he has been, or, you know, over this weekend, than he was for most of his career. 855-212-4227. It is the Robin Lundberg Show here on CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 